Our sponsor today, Manscaped, has you covered to keep the hair looking nice and trimmed and feeling fully supported. The Premium Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof, includes an LED light, and is made with advanced skin-safe technology. You can get this trimmer inside their Perfect Package 3.0, which also includes the Manscaped Crop Reserver and Crop Reviver. Plus, for a limited time, when you order the Perfect Package kit, you get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code THEATHLETIC20. 15, 15. Two fantasy stars hit the IL and a young hurler shoves again. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. <laughs> I have That's not it. had uh, three co-brews uh, yet. It worked great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Wednesday, September 9th. I am your host for today's show, at least, Michael Beller, sitting in for Al Melchior. I am joined by Derek Van Riper, DVR, a little bit of a uh, new look here. It's my first time in the host chair after so many times in the co-host chair. Feels pretty good. Yeah, I had that role, I think it was last week now. All the days are, are running together, but uh, a little bit of late season shenanigans with the schedule. Nah, just the usual uh, September busyness causing us to swap a few days and swap a few chairs along the way. So should be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, a little, a uh, little different without Al here, but I think you know I've I've done it enough in his uh, with him as my partner. I've heard him do what he does. I think I've got a decent show put together for us here. Unfortunately, as has been the case so often with Al, I've learned that we basically need to start off this show with injuries, and we've got a handful of big ones from Tuesday. Max Freed put on the IL by Atlanta retroactive to September sixth. The team is calling it back spasms at this point with you look at when you look at where they are at however in the NL East and in the entire NL uh, picture for the playoffs and given the fact that there's not a whole lot of incentive to winning your division other than avoiding the Dodgers in the first round of the playoffs I worry if they're gonna let Freed take it easy and maybe not push him back and maybe we've seen the last of him in the regular season it's possible, though. David O'Brien from The Athletic he covers the Braves, uh, had a report that came out that said that Freed's expected to be back when he's first eligible uh, right around September 16th. So for now, at least, they're saying he's coming back and probably making a couple of starts. Obviously, he has to throw and has to progress as expected for that to happen. But you're right. I mean, I think the urgency here is avoiding that matchup with the Dodgers. They're the buzzsaw in the NL and with the Braves. The young guys that we thought were going to step up and fill out the back of this rotation have been much less consistent than many of us expected. So Freed going down, especially when he's taken another step forward this season, is a pretty big loss, even if it's temporary. I don't know if there's anybody filling in here that I'm actually interested in. I think it's Robbie Erlin taking the first turn in Freed's absence. Erlin to me, is just a guy, kind of a number five starter, swingman type who doesn't miss a lot of bats. Is there anyone else that you're interested in in this Atlanta rotation who might get an opportunity? 
Yeah, no, not really. I mean, that was uh, the obvious question here from a fantasy perspective, and I don't think there is. I don't even think there's anyone, uh, no matter who it might be, and I think you're right with Erland, but I don't think there's anyone that it could fill in that could even really show up for us on the stream radar. Um, it just doesn't seem as though they have that depth here, and you know they've already tapped into what depth they did have, given all the injuries. You go all the way back to Felix Hernandez opting out before the season started, Cole Hamels, Mike Soroka, right? Even if their depth lived up to what we thought it was before the season, they've used it and then some, and it hasn't lived up to what we thought it was before the season. So I do think that this is one that you're probably going to stay away from in the fantasy world and cross your fingers if you've been invested in Max Freed, that you still get one maybe two starts out of him uh, over the last 10 days or so of the season. I will say that with the Braves almost certainly going to be making the playoffs, you probably would like to get freed at least one turn in the rotation in the regular season before you do turn the calendar over to the postseason. Another injury here where I don't think there's really a fantasy-relevant move is Jorge Soler. He went on the IL with an oblique injury. He had missed the last couple of games for the Royals. The team obviously hoped to keep him from the IL, but... They were unable to do so. He goes on the IL on Tuesday. We've seen a few different DHs in his stead in Kansas City. Ryan O'Hearn, Ryan McBroom on Tuesday. It was Michael Franco. Again, just doesn't seem like there's really a fantasy-relevant move here. And with the oblique, with Kansas City not really needing to rush Soler back for a playoff chase, I worry, too, that we've seen the last of uh, Jorge Soler for this 2020 season. Yeah, I think there's a better chance that Solaire's season is over than Freed's looking at these two injuries and just thinking about how difficult it can be for hitters to get back uh, from an oblique injury. But I'm right there with you. I mean, I think they're just going to take a few of the, the corner guys who are in rotation, rotate them to the DH spot, and maybe in AL-only leagues, there are very small winners on the margins, but for mm-hmm. mixed league purposes especially, nobody here that interests me. Yeah, the fact that uh, there's been three games without Solaire and you've had three different DHs tells you pretty much exactly where this Kansas City team is sitting without Jorge Solaire and Obliques. We know those are tricky injuries. There's really no reason for them to rush this thing with Jorge Solaire. They run it back with him in 2021, but uh, probably not going to see, or at least a, a good chance, I feel, as though we are not going to see any more Jorge Solaire for this 2020 season. Eric Hosmer fractured his finger, the official word coming from San Diego on Tuesday, fractured it while trying to lay down a bunt. We've got a pretty big window for a timetable for him, two to six weeks. So that effectively ends his fantasy baseball season. Obviously, the Padres will hope to have him back at full strength for their eventual postseason run. That locks in Mitch Moreland to an everyday position in this lineup, which he pretty much already had, but now between first base and DH, got to assume that he's going to be out there for this team every single day. Anyone else of note you think getting some playing time for the Padres on Tuesday? episode, Al and I talked about Jorge Oña making his debut and speculated on him potentially being an interesting guy with Hosmer at that time, looking at a possible IL stint. Now that we know for sure Hosmer is going to be on the IL, does he interest you at all? You know, I think Jake Cronenworth's playing time is even more stable. I know he got a day off on on Tuesday, but Moreland basically goes from DH to first. Profar has been playing a lot in the outfield. I kind of wonder if this ends up being a slight boost well, for Austin Nola and Jason Castro, I think Nola was going to play a lot and Castro was going to catch whenever Nola wasn't catching. Now those guys can maybe coexist in the lineup a little bit more often. 
All right, uh, DVR. Well, we've got uh, some closer news to talk about here today as well. It uh, seems like the things we always talk about on Fantasy Baseball in 15, injuries and closers. Not a ton of closer news in volume, but I think perhaps one of the more weighty things we've talked about with this position in a while. We've now seen Rafael Dolis get two straight saves for the Blue Jays, two straight outings for him where he has gotten a save and two straight saves, period, for this Toronto team have come from Rafael Dolis on Tuesday. He closed out the Yankees with a perfect ninth, had two strikeouts. You go to Anthony Bass two outings ago, he blew a save. Then in his most recent outing, came in and just mop-up duty with the Blue Jays up comfortably against the Yankees, and he finished out that game. So you look at the way Bass has gone recently, you look at the way Dolis has gone recently, do we see a changing of the guard happening in Toronto? I think so. There's a little bit of a walk issue for Delise, and Ken Giles might be back in the relative near future. But if you're in a first-come, first-serve league, make the move as soon as you possibly can. I think Delise is at least the guy until Giles is able to come off the I.L. Yeah, it's uh, definitely the way the usage is going here. And again, when you get two straight opportunities, you convert both of them while the other guy is going in the opposite direction. Definitely as good a reason as any for a team that is now comfortably, Derek, comfortably in second place in the AL East. These Toronto Blue Jays looking like they will be another team that is in this postseason mix here in 2020. All right, a couple of other random things I just wanted to get your uh, your take on here. Victor Robles has led off for Washington in five of the team's last six games. Two three-hit games in that span. Obviously, not the start that he would have been hoping for this season. Really got off to a slow start. He was buried in the bottom third of the order uh, for a long time and still doing a lot of hitting ninth for this team. But the fact that he has been atop the lineup for five of the last six games I think is a good sign. You're not going to go out and pick pick Victor Robles up in very many leagues. He's already owned, but if you still do have a, a trade deadline that is ahead of you, or maybe your league just has no trade deadline period this season, any signs here that would interest you in buying uh, Victor Robles for the last three, three and a half weeks of the season? Yeah, I do think that move up in the order is really interesting. And this is a Nationals team that probably won't make the playoffs this year. So they're taking a look at players and maximizing development for the future. Victor Robles is still a very big part of their future, even though this year has been a disappointment. He's quietly pushed that line up to 252, 329, 341. But the lack of power and speed so far this season is troubling. I, I think a lot was made of his blue ink on his stat cast pages. Average exit velocity, just 83.7 miles per hour. This season, he was at 83.3 last year. So he's a guy that's not making a lot of hard contact and there's still some work to be done, but he's not small. And I think part of the reason he's not running as much, he actually bulked up a little bit during this offseason. So he's going through some physical adjustments that are changing his game a bit. I'm still very interested in the raw talent. I'm really curious to see what Victor Robles' 2021 ADP is going to be. How much is he going to fall from where he was going this draft season when he was pretty consistently a top 75 pick? Yeah, you saw so often he and Luis Robert grouped together this year, right? And uh, obviously Robert has had the season he has had, basically the polar opposite of the year that Victor Robles has had. So the divergence of where those two guys will end up in 2021 drafts is going to be very interesting after the seemingly overlapping skill sets that they have and the fact that they were pretty much drafting neighbors in 2020. It'll be interesting to see the gap between those two guys in 2021. I still think there's way more reason to buy Victor Robles 
place in 2021 than there is to sell him. Randy Arozarena making uh, quite the splash for Tampa Bay when he starts for this team, which has been basically about every other game since he's gotten the call. He's been hitting in the middle of the order. He did so again on Tuesday, hitting third for this Tampa Bay team. Went 0 for 3, but has gotten off to a very hot start. 400-500, a perfect 1,000 slugging percentage. Four homers already for Randy Arozarena. And this is someone who you can add if you want to right now. Pretty sparsely owned across the fantasy industry. Obviously, we'll be talking waivers a little bit later this week, but is he someone who is going to be in that waiver picture for you i think you have to be in a league with daily moves right now based on the usage in al only leagues he's probably owned already but where available he's definitely a pickup i think the bigger question is are you interested in keeper in dynasty leagues as you look ahead to 2021 do you think there's a path that would lead a rosaranda to a larger role for this Rays team a year from now I think there actually is. I Mm -hmm. I think they traded for him for a reason. The underlying numbers were good in a limited sample in the big leagues last year. They're good again this year in 2020. I think he's kind of a sneaky sleeper for 2021. So if you're one of those leagues that you mentioned earlier where you could still make trades or if he's on the waiver wire in your keeper or dynasty leagues, this is a great time to add Randy Arozarena. Yeah, I think he has to be in line for something bigger in 2021. You just don't do what he's done in the brief time that he's been in the majors and not get a longer look. The team would be doing itself a great disservice by not at least giving him an opportunity to be maybe not an everyday guy right off the bat in 2021, but a mostly everyday guy. So I do think we see that he is another guy whose stock I would be buying next season. Uh, Let's take a look at a couple of Tuesday standouts before we wrap things up on this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. Derek, another day, another great start from Sixto Sanchez. This time it was six shutout innings, three hits, six strikeouts, and one walk. This guy has dealt all four starts that he has made in the majors. I think we got to be buying the rest of this season. And another guy, very interesting to see where he is going to be in 2021 drafts. Yeah, the sound you hear in the background is Sixto Sanchez's 2021 ADP going (laughs) through the roof. A 25 to 2 strikeout to walk ratio now in his first four starts, only three home runs allowed. We'll get to see him a few more times before this season is up. If the Marlins make the playoffs and he gets a few more turns and pitches well, I could see that inflating his price even more. Uh, absolutely a guy that's going to draw a ton of attention and perhaps for good reason. I mean, this is a a really nice start to his career. Um, So if he's inside the top 100 overall in terms of his 2021 ADP, would that even surprise you at this point? I don't think so, especially if he has a couple more good outings here for Miami as we uh, wrap up the season. And hey, maybe he'll get to make a a playoff start too with uh, the way that team is playing. Uh, I could see him definitely working his way in there. And it just goes to show you how much we know and little we know simultaneously about pitching prospects. He was a guy who, you know, we were pretty excited about, but we were more excited about Casey Mize. We were more excited about Derek Scoobal. We were more excited about Dane Dunning, and Dunning has looked pretty decent in most of his uh, time with the White Sox this year. But Sixto Sanchez, uh, as we can go back to Spencer Howard and Nate Pearson, and obviously there have been some injury issues there. Sixto Sanchez has been the best of the pitchers who have made their debuts uh, this season, especially guys who have come up in the middle of the year. So tells you just how much of a moving target this can be. Tyler Molly struck out 10 Cubs in seven innings, gave up a couple of runs, took the loss, uh, but definitely looked the part. The Cubs are a big strikeout team, uh, but still uh, a really strong outing from Tyler Molly. Where's he falling, you think, for the rest of the season? Is this uh, someone who's just a streamer or someone who's ownable in 15-team mixers? 
Definitely ownable in 15-teamers. Probably even a consistent option in lineups for 12-teamers the rest of the way. The Ks have been there. The control is usually pretty good. I like Tyler Molly coming into the season. I think the biggest skills flaw is the long ball. I think being in Cincinnati is going to play that up a little bit. But I'm a believer. I'm in on Tyler Molly. A couple other big games from Tuesday. Whit Merrifield, two for five with the homer and three RBI. Rafael Devers in game one of a doubleheader. Three for four, two homers, three RBI. Two more strong starts also to touch on. Lance Lynn, six innings, one run, five Ks. Alec Mills on the other side of that start when the, in the Cubs-Reds game. Six shutout, four hits, three walks, six Ks. So with Jose Quintana, Tyler Chatwood potentially on the mend. Alec Mills making a case to remain in the Cubs rotation. Our featured read for today, the second Second Baseball Life of Oliver Perez by Andy McCullough. Really great story. Really interesting story. And Oliver Perez, uh, the fact that he's still sticking around in the majors, just a testament to this guy's strength, to his fortitude. So definitely go ahead and check that out. And that will wrap things up for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. It was fun getting in the host chair for one episode. On tomorrow's episode, Al Melchior will be back with Derek Van Riper. Until then, thanks for listening, everyone. 